Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. It's a long day, and at the end of the day, they plop down in their bed, which they don't know where they are sometimes, you know. 10 million records sold, biggest tours in the world, not gotten a paycheck. Denise, who was AJ's mother, uh, wanted an outside lawyer to look at the contract. And Lou says, absolutely not, it's now or never. In the very beginning, he was gonna be one-sixth member. And rather than be our manager and take a management commission, he was just gonna be one-sixth member and take one-sixth of all of our profit. He's full of love, he's full of fraud. Lou Pearlman, part two, let's go. Okay, trigger warning here for listeners about this week's episode. We discuss a lot of awful predatory sexual harassment of minors, the boy bands and stuff. So it's it's pretty rough. If you're sensitive to this topic, please stop listening. It's not worth it. It's just a podcast. Honestly, we would love to listen, but just don't do it. Your life is more important, especially after we talk about the TV show Making the Band and O-Town. So be mindful. Welcome back to Fraudsters. I'm Sina Gazdavi, and we, of course, are the Jacques Cousteau of deep dives into the minds of the greatest con artists of all time. If you're a lion hustling, no good huckster, we're coming for you. I'm your co-host, Sina Gaznavi, along with Ariel Lieti and Justin Williams. You can follow me on the socials, at Sina Now. You can follow Justin on Instagram or Facebook, if that's your preferred network, at Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy. And follow Ariel on all the socials, at Ariel Lieti. Wow. Today? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Oh, God, I had to stop that. Sorry, I just wanted a little taste. I just wanted a little taste. Do you remember that song? You love that song, right? Ariel, you probably love that song. Yes, I feel like I this do. is, that was your thing. That was you your jam. Do you want me to sing it? I mean, I mean, we just heard it, but yeah, go for it. Da-na. I'm going to sing it from the beginning. Da-na. Hey, hey. 
I'm doing this tonight. You're probably gonna start a fight. I'm doing this tonight. Yeah, baby, come on. God, this is right. This is in your blood. I love it. I mean, here's the thing. I didn't even know I knew the lyrics. I just reached way back in the. Really, there's a portion of my mind that I keep all these songs with me. I'm upset that I didn't remember Light Funky Ones was LFO. I'm still upset yeah, about that. That's wild. That was Abercrombie and Fitch, right? Yeah, yeah. but I'm upset that I... Also, that Light the- Funky Ones, that's a crazy name. He said, don't worry, we're white. Yeah. Wasn't Abercrombie a scam? Did they end up being yeah, like that is a scammy? Scam. Yeah. No, no, it was just like, it was just discriminatory in all ways. Yeah, it it, was just it like- marketed like all unhealthy things. It was like, you should be white and have abs or like... You know, be an all-American girl. Also, be skinny. Yeah, yeah, be a size zero. You don't belong here. That sort of thing. I do remember when they would um, have their stores in Manhattan. They had the guys just standing outside that were chiseled with their shirts off. And I remember being hot. Be. I was so upset. I was like, "You've made life harder for me. This Mm. is bad. I'm. I'm over here with a hairy chest, trying to get people to go back to the '70s. What '70s hot? What used to be." I don't know what it is. Why? Why? Do, why is it like? Why is it gotta be like this? You know? I don't know. I don't know, Cena. I wasn't allowed in Abercrombie and Fitch, so. Yeah, that's also yeah. awful. Well, welcome back to our three-part deep as hell dive into the human waterbed known as Lou Pearlman. I can't believe these jokes are still in here. When we last met, we were discussing Lou's triumphant blimp legal victories and his betrayal of every person he ever worked with. But don't worry. We know why you came here. You want us to talk about boy bands. It's all about the boy bands. Well, you got it, Hotshot. This is part two, the boy band years. And our latest scam of this first part is the one for which Lou is best known, the boy band scam. Lou promised to make talented boys rich and famous, but only delivered on the latter. At number seven, here is NSYNC's this I promise you. And all that surrounds you <laughs> are secrets and lies. I'll be your strength. I'll give you hope. So you know so many of these. <laughs> I we need love to just, them. Should we put in a cover album together of yeah, just I'll Ariel does does the boy bands? Yes. Um, that's for me. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> the story <laughs> the story goes that New Kids on the Block chartered one of Lou's planes, and that was how he got the idea to start a boy band. If this group could charter its own plane, then money was obviously being made. So he put up flyers around the Orlando area, which was rife with young talent thanks to the local theme parks, Disney, and Universal Studios. He also put placed up flyers in- like children wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody thought it was suspicious. <laughs> Are you cute, cute boys teen? watching? Cute. Yeah. Can you dance? Can you sing? Well, here's the ad he put in the Orlando Sentinel. Teen male vocalists. Producer seeks male singers that move well. Uh, between 16 and 19 years of age. Uh, wanted for new kids type singing dancing group. Send a photo or bio of any kind. 40 interested boys who auditioned at Lou's house uh, for what would later become the Backstreet Boys. 
AJ McLean was the only eventual Backstreet Boy at the audition. So Perlman reached out to McLean and his talent manager, Gene Tansy Williams, to look for additional talent. Okay, just to give you some insight into what he was looking for, here's a clip from 1999, Chris Cuomo, a young Chris Cuomo, we'll talk about him later, asking Lou this very question. I was very interested in seeing Perlman in action and was delighted to accept his invitation to visit him in his element. Hi, what's your name? Delighted. Auditioning young talent for an ABC television series documenting the making of a boy band. What song would you like to do on Capella for us? Look at how many aspiring pop stars were willing to sleep outside just for the chance to audition for the maestro. What are you looking at? Those are the days. You need to have the young kid that definitely has a cute look that the young girls are looking for. Older guy has to have that older image. It's great to have somebody Latino who gives an extra flavor to it. <laughs> and one guy has to have a deep, deep flavor. flavor. A little Latiner what flavor, a little spice, flavor. a little picante, a little uh, salsa, a little taco, a little shredded cheese, a little uh -huh. bit of olives, some sour cream. You mix them all up. What do you get? A boy band, baby. Come on. Blue Pearlman. Steve, Chris, Chad, and Goya. <laughs> Sponsored by Agoya. <laughs> With Charo. <laughs> like, what is happening? It's funny that Latin is like, it's like this weird way of being ethnic, but because his thing is like the white boy band. So he's like, you can go ethnic, like Latin, but like he would, he would never put a black, you didn't see like a black guy in any of these groups or even in the audition line. I mean, uh, he said oh, yeah. it. Um, there is a documentary or interview. I don't know if we end up talking about this, but there's a, it's called Music Box, I think. And it's about boys to men. And in the beginning, it shows how they were the most popular boy band. And then midway through, they talk about how Lou Pearlman's like, I see what boys to men is doing and we need to make it white. We need to make it white because the girls can't put these posters of boys to men in their bedrooms. Oh. Like you're not going to have an all black boy band in your bedroom. So that's yeah. where he came up with um, Backstreet Boys. and stuff. It's a really good documentary. The racism um, of it all. It worked. So gross. It I mean, it's the old Elvis formula. You know, it's like, you know, you couldn't put like Little Richard on your wall. So right. you had to do Elvis, you know. All right. So, so this, that he was... saw that merch was going to sell and make, you know, make the real. Seriously, he saw that the merch was yeah. going to be it. I could sell, you know, notebooks, book bags, lunch boxes. People aren't going to buy Boys to Men ones. Perlman offered to pay Williams with 100 shares of the boy band, which he had incorporated as a business. Whatever 100 shares means, you know, it, she got fucked out of it. Let's be honest. Yeah. Early on, those bullshit shares of his Ponzi scheme were going for $5,000 each. So you could probably assume that this eventual payday could theoretically be $500,000. Tansy, though, with a little help from Lou, found the rest of the band and they set to work. Lou rented a house for them. The first, you know, clip house, I guess you could call it, for them to live and work in. He organized tutors for them in the mornings, and they spent the afternoons rehearsing, dancing, and singing. Lou had them work constantly and knew what he was doing to the boys. Here's a clip of him talking about the boy band schedule. Oof. They go about their day practicing for rehearsals, maybe for a show that evening, uh, doing more press during that day, meet and greets, uh, going to record stores, doing signings, um, all these different things. And it's a long day, and at the end of the day, they plop down in there bed, which they don't know where they are sometimes, you know, they forget what city they're in or what country they're in. And if you watch an artist, 
I mean, oh, they don't know what bed they fell into. Oh my god! What, what do you do all day, Lou Pearlman? Crepe. Yeah. What the fuck do you do? Doesn't sound like you're going with them. Yeah. Then meanwhile, three years is going by, and they forget that right. they've been working so much. They <laughs> haven't even thought about getting a check yet. A penny a day. Yeah, you don't know where you are. You don't know that you haven't been paid in three years. Oh my god. I mean, they just go through a lot of a lot of stress sometimes, and they really take it very well. And I have to commend them because they always have to be on when they're on the camera. They have to look good. They have to smile. They have to do their thing. What a piece of shit. I like the thing, right. the empathy, though, there, the gaslighting. Yeah. Is great. I see yeah. you just doing such a great job. Do you think there was other exploitation? Do you think there's a, a like a sweatshop guy? That goes, I just want to say, guys, you're doing a great job. You're really handling uh, an increased workload here yes. uh, very well. Like, they think that that's, like, helping. <laughs> they think they're like, oh, I've said a nice thing. That'll keep them quiet for a week or two. Yeah. Tansy even deferred her salary so they could pay the boys' expenses. Should we get paid when they signed a lucrative album deal after all? The Backstreet Boys started performing around town, getting noticed by local radio, and gaining interest from labels. Lou and Tansy were finally about to get their payday. Or at least Lou was, because he dropped Tammy like a platinum album before he signed a deal with Mercury Records. Tammy was out. She would end up suing, but she'd never be paid what she was actually worth. The boys went to Europe to record and prove their potential. It would take three years before Lou and the label agreed that they had enough songs and enough European swag to release their first album in the United States. For three more years, I, I wonder what it is about the Europeans that found that, I guess it's the same thing, like cute boys dancing. I guess. Well, they have a lot, they have teen girls over there. And when you're exotic, it's like... Mm. It, it, it's like me as like a black American guy, like I am firmly at best a five as far as black American guys go. But if you take me and you put me in Lithuania, I am shit over there. Damn, yeah, Justin. I am Denzel Washington. In, a Lithuanian uh, 12. Hungary. <laughs> Hungary, Hungary. I just made up a country. <laughs> Uh, for three more years, Lou had to front the cost of growing this band. By the time the first album was released, Lou, God, what, is, what sacrifices he made. He spent over $3 million on the Backstreet Boys. Wow. So where did that money come from? Well, blimp money. <laughs> Getting that blimp cash. <laughs> and that's course, no hot air. Hot, that's not, that, but the blimp was like the most straightforward way that he got money. It was the Ponzi scheme as well. Those were all the places where he was getting the money. But wherever he got the money from, it, he was very generous with it. He threw these lavish parties. He flew the band around on private jets, and they stayed in luxe suites at fancy hotels. He would throw lavish dinner parties for the band members and their growing entourage. After years of working and 10 million album sales of their first American album, the boys were given $300,000 to split amongst themselves. How many people were in the Backstreet Boys? Is it five? Five. So let's do the math. $60,000 each. And when did they get paid? After they sold 10 million albums. How many years? It then? was several, several years. So you got a $60,000 lump sum after working for like three years. So yeah. that is... Per year, 
Oh, for three. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. That's a great deal. But Lou, on the other hand, pocketed $10 million. It all didn't go into Lou's pockets, though. A lot of money went to the lavish gifts and luxe accommodations that Lou showered on the band. But he bought all that stuff with the band's own money. A lawsuit followed, and Lou lost the band. Oh, no. It's the same story with NSYNC. After years of hard work and travel and huge album sales while living only on a per diem of $35 each day, the boys of NSYNC were set to get their big payday. Lou took them out to a big fancy dinner that they had no idea they were paying for and presented them all with checks for $25,000 each. That's broke, that's broke pimp stuff when you try yeah, to... <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom real quick when the check comes. (laughs) And here we have everyone's favorite astronaut, Lance Bass, talking about this very moment on Hollywood Access. Tell everybody about the check. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I mean, it was that day I always say was the day that I turned into a man (laughs) because (laughs) I realized, oh, my gosh, this world really can mess you up. And like people could be out to get you. Um, But, yeah, we were excited for our first check presentation. So we all went to the lavish dinner. Our families are there. Our record label. Everyone's there. And uh, they hand us our checks. uh, Lou does. And when we open the check, you know, and by the way, we had not been paid for three years of work. Three years? I was just going to ask. Three How many years? years. Ten million records sold, biggest tours in the world, what? not gotten a paycheck. So we were real excited to see so what that number could possibly be. Guys, like, what? What? Yeah. I, what? I can't. I can't with these guys. How much... I've, how much influence does Lou Pearlman have over this group of men? I mean, I think it's to your point, Justin. If you get them in front of a group of people and like all these like girls are screaming their name and you know trying to like you know love on them and stuff like that, they go to a fancy hotel, they go on a private jet. The money's got to be coming from somewhere. Surely there's money, but it's not going in their bank account. I just like I'm. I don't know how Justin Timberlake overlooked like especially his family overlooked all of this nonsense because he's been in the industry for a long time for since Mickey Mouse Club so how would well, he not have a good entertainment like I'm thinking at least yes. Justin would have had or his family would have been like all right let's overlook these um contracts because something's fishy well, at least NSYNC got out of their deal with Lou pretty quickly it was mm. like only a couple years still that's crazy still insane Wow. There's a comedian that owes me $65 and he's owed me $65 for like four Name years. Him. And I'm Name like, him. uh, Jose Vega, pay me my $65, dude. Oh. <laughs> I, I stop being like, liking my statuses on Facebook, even pay oh me my, my money. Oh wow. my God. I love it. I had to run up on somebody for my money once during comedy. And I, Gordon oh, was there. I love it. <laughs> so this guy promised me money for a show. He did not, uh, he ended up not getting an audience or whatever, but like the money was promised. And I'm like, all right, my guy, I came all this way, pay me my money. I had to run up on him like a thug. (laughs) And then we open up the check and it is a number that you couldn't even fathom. It was so horrible. $10,000. For three Uh, years of work. That is millions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's basically $3,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not even close to minimum wage. (laughs) No. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take 
for, why three years without pay? Like, how did you guys not question yeah. that? I know, and, and, it, and it's so weird <laughs> when you're in it. I you don't know. really think about that because, was, again, was I was 15 years old when we started, so I didn't really know how the business worked. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of assumed that, oh, you have to work really hard for, you know, a couple of years before that money starts accumulating and then they just give it to you in one big check because you have to repay, you know, all, you know, all the recoupable stuff. But after three years and all these, you know, millions of albums sold, you, sh you, sh you should have recouped a yeah, lot earlier and, than and that. Yeah, and recouping does take a ton of money yeah, out, uh, but... Yeah. But it doesn't leave you with 10,000. that crazy. <laughs> but I mean, he was taking like 90% of our business, and that's just not fair. Yeah. So was it right after that ceremony that JC's, JC's uncle, who mm -hmm. was a lawyer, took yeah. a look at the contract, and he was like, uh, this is why? Yes. Uh, we finally were like, okay, maybe we need to figure out how to get out of this contract. That's when we... Uh, called lawyers because at this time, we, at this point, we had only used Lou's lawyers. Yeah. Because he was the sixth member of the group and we didn't have to call a lawyer. Now we have the answer. They were only there we using go. Lou's. Okay. Lou's now. lawyers. Like, trust me, I got okay. lawyers. They'll take care of you. Lou, but he gave them, guys, he gave them checks, big old checks for $25,000 each, even though they were expecting 10 times that amount. In 1999, NSYNC attempted to renegotiate their contracts with Perlman along the way and discovered that Perlman had written himself in as the band's contractual sixth member, like the Backstreet Boys as well. He did the same thing with them, which had been a loophole that allowed him to pocket all this revenue. The band attempted to exit their contract with Perlman early because they learned that Perlman was collecting 50% of all <laughs> recording royalties 100% of all advances, and another 25% of recording income as management commission. He pocketed 37.5% of all band profits. Another lawsuit, and Lou had lost two of the biggest musical acts of the century. This is what I think set me over the edge, is that these contracts were so must have been so blatantly fraudulent. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. If there's anything better than getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's, it's getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's for less in the McDonald's app. Mm. Delicious. Order in the McDonald's app today. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Right now, only in the app. Enjoy a breakfast sandwich for just $1, like a sausage McMuffin with egg. Offer valid one time per day from 429 to 512 at participating McDonald's. Must opt into rewards. 
Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. Lou wasn't a contractual band member of Just NSYNC. This is a move he pulled with several other bands, including the Backstreet Boys. And here we have another clip from ABC's From Pop to Prison about this scheme. When the band came to New York to sign their record contract, Denise, who was AJ's mother, uh, wanted an outside lawyer to look at the contract. And Lou says, absolutely not. It's now or never. And there we go. Hey, we signed a contract. Let's move forward and let's make a lot of money together. And let's make this thing happen. They're all happy and congratulating Uh, that we did it. And the parents signed on the guardian lines. When he signed a record deal. Wow. The parents. That's, I mean, as a a parent, it's like the, how, who's more vulnerable than a parent who thinks this is going to change their kid's life, you know? Yeah. And you Mm. can, you can do something and your kid is probably like, mom, dad, I want this so bad. I love this, you know? And like, you see how happy it makes them. I don't know. I'm getting like, like, this makes me very, I'm getting emotional right now. It's fucking the most disgusting thing you can do. Um, and then to pressure someone to not have a lawyer look at something is yeah. such a red flag. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry that I even have to even say this, but like, if you're listening and someone tells you my lawyer's taking care of it, don't worry about it. You don't need to have a lawyer look at it. Just tell them to go fuck themselves. Also send them our podcast. Cause we need the listeners. Uh, so <laughs> When he signed a record deal as a manager with the Backstreet Boys, he not only made himself the sixth member of the band so that he would get paid what they got paid, he also paid himself as the manager. Lou was really always focused on the payday. The bigger picture was always the payday at the end of that road for Lou. Why is that so important to you to be called one of the band members? Well, one is a share in the uh, income. Chris Cuomo with that question, by the way. A young yeah. Chris Cuomo. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Well, one is a share in the uh, income. <laughs> money, money, money aside. <laughs> money but, aside. Backstreet was a part of my life as much as it is theirs. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you singing and dancing? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you get up there? Why don't you make it? Why don't you make a teen girl scream, Lou why don't Pearlman? Bust a move. <laughs> bust a move, Lou Pearlman. <laughs> yeah. Damn. So what's a little soft shoe, Lou Pearlman? <laughs> what an I just like awful. the shamelessness of people. Like, like I would, I would just not do interviews if I were this like guilty. I agree. Like, I would like to look into a camera and go, "Well, Backstreet Boys is part of my life, <laughs> and they making me money." <laughs> he really was just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, he goes, "I eat off their plates." You know, that's how that's gonna go. Crazy. Oh, surprise, we've got another clip from another band, O-Town, talking about the same thing years later. Here's Ashley from O-Town talking to Mike Cronin about their contract and the one-sixth agreement. 
about this contract situation. I, I just don't think that he should get paid unless he's working with us and doing something to deserve it. I mean, I don't know. I'm, this is the first time I've done this, though. You know what so, I mean? It's not like I, agree. I know the ins and outs of the business. That's why I'm relying on you. I'm relying on our lawyer. I'm relying on other people to educate me and, and the other guys to know how we handle this situation. With this situation, I tried to speak with each guy individually, asking them what they thought, what's going on. We didn't have anything in writing, so that's a time when people may want to find out who their management is, and they find out it's no one. It makes you a little nervous. So I guess my question to you is... All right, just to sum that up, this guy, Ashley, in the band, has this no nothing on paper, is like on television, saying that he knows nothing about the business, that he's now I mean, he's depending on— he's also like on, 13. Yeah, he's like depending on everyone else to tell him what to do, and everyone else is just going to look out for themselves. This poor kid is just going to—is is basically signaling to everyone— hey, I'm an easy mark. And that's what these yeah. guys did to him, or at least Lou Perlman did. And these managers were probably thinking they were going to pull one over on Lou Perlman, but Lou Perlman was running like multidimensional Ponzi chess on them, you know? Yeah. Oh, God. My question to you is, as a group, as, as O-Town, all five guys, are we out of line to think that Lou doesn't deserve one-sixth of everything we make forever because he picked us? You guys signed a one-sixth agreement? That's you. I can advise you and say, I'd look into doing it before you would do such a thing. Mm -hmm. Not recommend it, but I have no saying what you do. I can only advise you, but that's your final call. So basically what you're saying is, we need to have a, a real strong talk with our lawyer and make sure that this, this, this one-sixth agreement gets worked out fast. You gotta have a strong talk and make sure this one-sixth agreement never happens. Yeah. Um, it took him 90 seconds of, of, of talking for him to just be like, this man's a scam artist. What are you doing? Yeah. It's, it's so crazy. Wait, can I ask Sounds you guys something? Like, how much of it this is, like, just, like, American culture? Because this is on TV. This is 2000. For me, like, looking at this now, maybe with just hindsight of, like, being older or whatever, more advanced in, in human history and understanding how scams and scam artists work, but what do you guys think about this being on TV? And it seems like they're describing a, a criminal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that at the time, this was the birth of reality TV. And I think that maybe the powers that be that were making the show knew that he was scamming them and knew it would be good television. And so they were like, fuck it. This is a boy band that probably isn't going to make that many hits. And they didn't. They had one or two songs. So maybe they just figured like these are the, the guinea pigs that we'll use for this kind of television. Now looking at it from here. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very it's very interesting in the way that I see this as like almost the financial parallel to like to catch a predator because mm. it's like this it's like the same kind of like child exploit exploitation you know yeah yeah um, and, and it's even even it has kind of actually like a looks based you know kind of element to it too that even makes it like creepy. Um, yeah. And they, but my, I'm saying they knew what they were doing. They have the creepy music, like they know it's very ominous. They know this guy's. You know, like jerking them around and yet they're showing us like there's something there's something here that's that's really nasty. Yeah. The way they produced the uh, the the criminality or, or, yeah. or and, and the lies here and they yes. added uh, unnecessary dramatic effects. But this is a real kid's life 
that's like he's really Five trying hard of them you know what i mean this is when reality tv people were actually being <laughs> themselves and didn't realize that how they were being portrayed you know on television yeah I mean, I do. I think I feel bad for these guys right now. Did you feel bad for children that get exploited? Like their child. This is exploitation of child labor. It's like it's not. You know, it's awful. I just, I know that at some point we're gonna have a discussion with Lou about it because it seems to me like everything's about ready to go down. He will never. He's not a confrontational person. You don't think so? I'm very grateful for everything he's done for me. Very grateful for everything he's done for you. But he's more of a hurdle been a good thing right now. I don't think Lou has a hidden agenda. I don't think he has horrible motives. From the very beginning, when we first met Lou, all he talked about was being one big family and that he would always be there to answer our business questions. I appreciate everything that Lou did for us. Lou, to me, will always be a genius because he has a talent for putting groups together. Oh, 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 last last shot. Gross. Super gross. It's O-Town doing a group hug. And who's on the outside putting his self in there? Lou Pearlman. Lou. He's the, the sixth, the one sixth. Well, he did, he did a Scammery 101, say that you're a big happy family. There was, yeah, a, yeah. There was footage of them on yeah. a boat together, you know, giving the group hug. Like, all right. Damn. Give me a check. Is. You hold that Pass hug. me my check. <laughs> You know what they were, Cena? They were contracts. No. Mm, that's right. That's the name of the game, baby. Contracts. <laughs> All right, here's a little, a little side fraud for you. The name of NSYNC is in reference to their singing and dancing being so on point. After the name was floated as the name of the band, it was discovered that if they spelled it this way, the name contained all the last letters of each of the band members' first names. The first N for Justin Timberlake, the S for Chris Kirkpatrick, the Y for Joey Fatone, the second N for Lance, and C for JC Chaz. What? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Lance Bass? (laughs) It all works except for Lance. His name has an end, but it's not at the end. That's because Lance... Wait, but this is great. That's because Lance was a replacement for the original bass singer, Jason Galasso. Wow. Who left the band because he wanted to pursue a more serious music career. Either that or he had an actual lawyer look at the contract. Yeah, and he was like, like, get me out of here. (laughs) So when they replaced him with Lance, they initially gave Lance the nickname Lanston. That, so why would you make your name could longer? Still work. No one cared that it stood yeah. for the letters of their names. No, I didn't know that. It also doesn't make sense. I mean, sense. Lanston's a great name for a night of the round table, but it's not a great name for a cutie or a poster in your bed. No, it's not. So we went <laughs> with Lance. Cutie. Lance. Uh, losing the Backstreet Boys at NSYNC obviously wasn't the end of Lou's musical career. This dude was too big to fail. He starred a ton of other groups, and guess what? Those bands ended up having problems with Lou, too. It wasn't just the first two times that Lou failed to keep things on the level. In fact, he tried to screw over kids with terrible contracts every other time as well. At number six on the countdown, here is LFO with Every Other Time. (laughs) These are so ridiculous. 
The other bands had their own problems with Lou, of course, with the exception of Us Five and Marshall Dillon. All of the other musical acts that Lou ever worked with sued him in federal court for misrepresentation and fraud. It's almost like there was just a form you could just fill out if you had worked for Lou and just got to sue him. Also, fun fact, Lou lost every single one of these cases. Well, some he settled out of court, but that doesn't mean he didn't lose money. Another suit that was settled out of court was filed by a recently deceased Perlman victim, Aaron Carter. Carter alleged in 2002 that Perlman cheated him out of hundreds of thousands of dollars and accused him of racketeering. His suit was settled out of court as well, which the problem is we never get any of that information. And racketeering, though, is a perfect classification for Lou's operation. It wasn't a legal thing, one, and a legal thing, two. Everything he did was illegal, and it all fed into each other. Some people get caught the first time they rob a bank. Some people get to rob so many banks that they eventually get to open up their own bank. That's what Lou got to do here. Okay, now we have a clip from an interview with the Backstreet Boys after Lou, spoiler alert, ends up in prison years later. I have to ask because you guys really have have really endured a lot. Lou Pearlman, the guy who started your group, he's in prison now. He pleaded guilty to conspiracy and money laundering, among other things. <laughs> Wait, just, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, hey, first of all, this is the uh, Wall Street Journal Live. This is like their digital stream thing. And like this uh, host is like introducing him. And then like they show a Lou Pearlman headshot. And it looks like one of those ones that you'd see a, like a 10 year old get, like a child. Like yeah. it's kind of off axis. He's got his hand uh, gently on his cheek. They look like someone stretched his face out. Like, um, yeah. have you ever played Mario Party where you play that game and it stretches out the face of the... <laughs> no, just me? Okay. Well, that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman got the yes. elephant man disease. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he would have been great as Lou Pearlman. God. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's and those tiny going. glasses are not helping. Yeah. Things he related to a Ponzi scheme mm -hmm. uh, that left $300 million in debt. Part of his sentence uh, required restitution. Does he get a portion of your songwriting royalties? Because if he does, he's definitely making some payments, right? Uh, no, he does not. No, he does not. Okay. Nothing. No, he doesn't. So when that whole thing went down. Okay, I'm sorry, but this good. host, yeah, but you could have Googled that, buddy. That would have been an easy Google. That's yeah, but you want to easy... ask the, you know, from the horse's mouth. Yeah, I guess so. But like, I don't know. I would have approached that differently. And also that laugh would have been really bad if they had said yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. The whole thing went down with your group. You, you would think that every member would have had their own lawyer, their own accountant, and everyone would be sitting down at the table uh, every quarter slicing up the pie. Why didn't that happen? Were you young or what was it? Well... We weren't that well, young. I, we weren't that old either. Well, I initially filed what's called an open lawsuit, an open-ended lawsuit, because I couldn't do it by myself. You know, I knew things were wrong. I was disappointed. Um, knowing the work and the effort that we were putting in yeah. to the show after show after show, and this guy is sitting in his office, and he's getting checks, I was like, something's wrong. So I went to the guys. You know, it caused some controversy. It was, it was a kind of a love-hate type thing, like, what are you doing? You're going to break up the band. We can't do this right now. We're on top of the world. And we teamed up. So, yeah, we all knew things weren't right. I mean, obviously, you know, 
we're, our bank accounts are nothing, and, and, and. Our, our managers, and, and especially him, uh, his bank accounts are growing. But um, <laughs> could you tell at the time that you weren't getting what you deserved? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But the problem that I mean, we, we faced were okay, are we going to stop the momentum? Because we were just starting to break in the United States. This are we going to stop the momentum? Our dreams are coming true to possibly be held up in a law court because he was threatening filing a cease and desist because he had ownership of the name. The equipment we were using. The, our touring equipment. You know, he uh, shut it down, all that up. He shut our tour down for a little while when we oh, wow. announced the you lawsuit. Okay. So, so we were struggling with, do we stop the momentum to battle in court? And so yeah. we ended up working it all out. Uh, we settled out of court uh, and, and got everything that we needed to move on. But he's out of our life, and, and we yeah. got we're him still out of here. Our lives, you know, are you smarter good. business people as a result of it? Absolutely. Very oh, much yeah. so. We've learned a lot. I mean, so. all five of us have equally learned a lot, you know, and now especially being our own label, being <laughs> yeah. our own everything now, and having that complete both business, business control and creative control, it's a lot of extra work, but... Now we know where every dollar is being spent. So we've, you could, we've you outlived could. our contracts. Yeah, the Backstreet Boys <laughs> fulfilled the contract. Oh, Jesus. The Backstreet Boys formed a union. Yeah. <laughs> and beat the man. And AJ was my favorite. And now he looks like a jabroni. I hate it here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <sighs> I mean, it's a great story that they learn, but the subtext of this is like they're learning when they're making like less than half of what they should have been that they, what they what they would have been making in their peak, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, they're still doing well. It's crazy to think that they were breaking in the United States. They were already popular in Europe. They were already yeah. rich, basically, in Europe, and they weren't getting anything from Lou during that time. I don't think they were that young when they started Backstreet Boys, but I do think that at the time too, I mean, even now, right? Like you want fame so badly, you don't really care. You want to be, no, you know, your recognition and notoriety so badly, you're willing to just go into these bad faith contracts so you don't realize what's happening until it's too late. And, and, he, and he sprinkles you with enough, right? You know, you show up with a, you give, you give somebody a thousand dollar outfit and whatever. Yeah. I say, I'm going to take care of you. And that's how they get you into the bad. Yeah. Bad contracts. Yeah, similar that's to that's the, how, uh, I was thinking of like the Tinder swindler. Like he, he makes you think all this glistening and all this gold. And then, you know, you're working real hard for the money after that. But as we all know, Lou's music career didn't end after he was exposed. He just started a television show. You remember this show, Making the Band in 2000? It was on <laughs> ABC. This is early reality when reality was, was pure. Golden it was era. clean. You know? I loved it. <laughs> in 2000, Making the Band premiered on ABC and saw the formation of Lou's new group named O-Town, a band he named after his hometown of Orlando. <laughs> there were plenty more young men lining up to get used and unfortunately uh, abused by Lou with making the band turning kids into TV stars even before they recorded a single song, Lou had the keys to celebrity and no reputation was bad enough to stop eager kids and stage moms. And here we get to see the exploitation continue on making the band with O-Town. How you doing? What's going on, man? How you been? Doing good? Yeah? Good. Lou, what do you think of this little production here? I love it. I love it. It's fat. It's pretty crazy, right? Yeah, definitely. definitely. From the very beginning, um, we had, had talks with... Wait, sorry. Do, do, 
P H A T. He did say fat. He did say fat. He did. Yeah, you heard correctly. P H A T. P H A T. This balding, overweight man with tiny glasses said P H A T. You did hear that correctly. Okay. Okay. Thank fat you. farm was huge. I had a pair of fat farm velour pants. It was like my favorite. I have pair fat of farm pants. shoes. Fat farm shoes. Oh, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. baby blue. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Blue that he was going to be very, very involved with this group. In fact, in the very beginning, he was going to be one sixth member, and rather than be our manager and take a management commission, he was just going to be one sixth member and take one sixth of all of our profit. As time went on, um, Lou it was around less and less, and we realized that with how busy Lou is and how many other companies he has to run, that he wasn't going to be around enough to be our manager. Nice setup. Nice, pretty fat. I would love to do it all. I would love to be the manager and love to be the guy that stays here 24-7, but then again, just impossible to be able to spread myself so thin. What's going on? <laughs> hey. oh, no. I didn't no. say anything. I said I I'm not said doing nothing. It. I'm not doing it. I didn't say Ariel's anything. Ariel's eyes did it. Listen, but, um, you, sometimes but, sometimes it's the shots you don't take then. Or, yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. You're right. You're right. You, let's but just, you let's also miss going. 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think everyone can fill in the gap there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Cronin and Mike Morin, as of right now, are still employed by Transcontinental Companies, which is Lou's company. But they are thinking about leaving to come work for us. So there are definite possibilities right now to be our managers. We found a bike. All right. So you here working? Working away? Working away. What's going on, man? Nice setup outside. I'll be popping in now. I'll be back in just a little bit. Okay. It's difficult when what we have to get pulled in and manager that you have to work for. Those guys. Those guys are probably there all day. Working all the time, and then Lou comes. Like, a great setup. Well, you got these monitors here. This is great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like the the audience can't see this because it's a podcast, but the the haircuts in this are just like, oh my god! Everybody yeah, has like hair. baby. What would how would you describe that haircut? Who had that haircut in a movie? Um, uh, like Gary Busey's kid. Didn't Jake Busey have this haircut? Where it's kind of like yeah. a blow, it's like a blowout kind of thing. But it's tall oh, like and also troopers. it's kind of spiky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're a manager, your hair is slicked back fully with lots of gel, <laughs> fully slicked back. It's the year 2000. Get into it, everybody. Yeah, you got to slick it back. You smell like death. Let's see what, let's see what loves. These guys you, are kind of scumbaggy. So there's probably like one guy with a ponytail that's like, you know, 30 years too late, you know? A hundred percent, yeah into it all to tell you the truth i'm i'm really not sure how to feel about lou it's a it's a sticky situation man i'm telling you it's a sticky situation mm. yep mm-hmm it sure is <laughs> you're being exploited there's nothing really that sticky about it sticky situation you're being exploited the song is called liquid dreams you guys do the math <laughs> Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. 
The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Mom, I got the job in Manhattan. Do you have a warm enough winter coat? What about your car? I'm selling it with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. How? I enter my license plate number, miles, condition, upload photos, and boom, an official cash offer from a local dealership. A cash offer instantly? Oh, did you call Aunt Stella? She's right there in Massachusetts. Mom, I literally just got the job. Not everything is as simple as selling your car with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it, kbb.com it. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. many things to many people. To some, he was a sexual predator. To others, he was a pedophile. But no matter how you slice it, Lou was a rapist. At number five on the countdown, it's NSYNC's It Makes Me Ill. It's oh, Christ. Makes me ill to see you deal love and affection at his will. You what? can imagine how it makes me feel to see Go. you with Go. him. I love Go. that one. At wow. his will, though? Wait, that should make yeah. you ill. It does. Ooh, yes. Creepy, gross, inappropriate. Oh, my God. Terrible. Um, guys, we're going to talk about some weird stuff with Lou Pearlman. I mean, he is there again. All this stuff is not adjudicated or anything like that. But if it so. talks like a Lou and walks like a Lou, then it's probably a, a pedophile. So these are a few words that people who have signed lucrative NDAs are legally allowed to say in reference to Lou Pearlman. Without needing specifics, one of the reasons that Lou Pearlman sought his role was because it meant he could literally hang out with young boys all day, every day, and they would worship him. A story often repeated by Lou was that he only got the idea for a boy band after New Kids on the Block, chartered one of his planes, but there's no evidence backing up this claim. It's possible that Lou's main entrance was just satisfying a sexual perversion of some kind. How was he to know it was going to get so big? I mean, he maybe just fell into it. It's just like Trump never expected to be president. Lou never expected to be the heights of this boy band empire. How could he? Not even the new kids on the block reached the heights of the Backstreet Boys. O-Town was the name of the compound he had built outside of Orlando where his boy band empire grew. O-Town was his Neverland. He put the boys up in houses with great security, namely the security cameras that all fed back into a central security hub located in his bedroom. Yeah. Accessible only to him. He would do a lot of gross things, guys. He would slice porn videos into movies. He was showing for movie nights and say, whoops, did you guys like that? Whoops. Oh, my God. Really? I didn't know about any of this. Yeah. Learning live. Yeah. He had a tanning bed in one room of his house, and all of his talent, male and female, were encouraged 
to frequent the tanning bed without clothes to prevent tan lines. Of course, tan lines. Um, and no surprise there, there was a camera in that room as well. Lou later bragged to the boy groups that he could show them footage of his girl groups. One group at the time, called Innocence, included a young Britney Spears. Lou claimed he was a licensed massage therapist. You know where this is going? I'm sorry. And since his groups were dancing for hours every day, Lou would swoop in, you know what's going to happen, and ease their weary muscles with his disgusting, creepy crawlers. The 13-year-old member of the group Take 5, Tim Christopher, recalled a sleepover where Lou appeared at the foot of his bed clad only in a towel. At another time, Tim told Lou he was bringing a friend over to play pool, and Lou met him at the door naked, saying that he was just getting out of the shower. Yet another time, Lou took him and his young bandmates to a strip club. Super problematic. You know, this actually reminds me of a weird story that happened to me when I started comedy. You know, I started when I was 18 in Pittsburgh, and... I had this guy that managed me. His name was Big Mike. <laughs> already red flag. Yeah, already a red flag. And before he, uh, like I signed with him, God knows, uh, Lord knows a lawyer didn't look at that contract. Uh, he took me to the Cricket Lounge in Pittsburgh. Any Pittsburgh listeners will probably know the Cricket Lounge. Uh, and it was a strip club. I was 18, so I could go. But it was my first strip club. I've never been to a strip club before that, obviously, because I was 18. I was like, well, you know, it's the first time you're doing that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget how fucking strange it was. Uh, he, like, bought me a lap dance. And then he was like, I'm going to be your manager. And then <laughs> he took me on, uh, like, a few, like, club tours in the area. And this one, we did at a Holiday Inn outside of Pittsburgh in Uniontown. Nice. And he drove us in a limo with these other uh, comedians. One guy's name was High Octane. There was another guy. I can't remember his name. High Octane was a car salesman. And then this other guy, Jerry Wilson, was a Marine uh, that just got out. And then another guy named Frog. He was this, like, black Muslim dude that was just real incredible. He was such a talent. But the headliner was this just giant dude, but I can't remember his name. And I remember in the limo ride, though, I was like, oh, like, where do you perform? He goes, no, I just got out. I was like, oh, got out from where? He goes, prison. I was like, oh, what were you? <laughs> and of course, you know, 18, I'm like, What'd you were, what were you in prison for? This is so cool, you know? And he just went, homicide. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so then oh, we did good. this show. So then we did this show, guys, and I'm, you know, early. And you know if you're, like, cooking, you know, on stage and you just go. You didn't really – when you're young, you don't really know what the light. Mm. So I went, like – my five-minute set turned into, like, 15 or 20. And so it <laughs> cut into the headliner's time. And so then a fight broke out after the show between Big Mike and this guy that went to prison for homicide. Yeah. And then Jerry Wilson, the Marine, had to drive me home. So – I was with my friend at the time that was with me the entire time through this process, but I didn't want to bring him into the story. So that's my little yeah. aside about creepy See, you know, That's exactly like what happened with Lou Perlman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give it up for your headliner tonight. His name is Homicide. Because he be killing on stage. <laughs> 
I just got out of jail and you run the light and take my time. The one thing that I don't have a lot of because I was incarcerated. <laughs> oh, my God. This is oh, that just that brought up a lot of memories. I also want to see that set, you know, like any set where you're killing at the beginning of your career is, is not like when real. You go, yeah. Yeah. It's not it, real. Yeah. It's it, not. It, yeah. It's just like you're going up there with just like this false confidence and people are rooting for you. But if you if you have a YouTube video of it, it oh, is the no. worst comedy in the world. Like you it's would terrible. you would destroy the video. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have like uh, like set for me 2007. It's also you're just also doing things that are very easy. You're like uh, you know, of course. You're like uh, you know, I'm 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 black. <laughs> have you ever noticed how I walk across the street like this? And, and like the audience, it's like killing in some Oh my god, that is how we walk. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> no artistic. Oh my era. god! Wow. All right, back to Lou here. A former 20-year-old assistant of his, Steve Mooney, that he wooed with promises of fame and fortune and the possibility of joining his new band, O-Town, recounted frequent back rubs in an effort to correct his aura. Lou was very worried about the auras of young men. Quote, as soon as the elevator door closes, he would grab you and rub your abs. Ugh. Yuck. Steve goes on to say, the first few times, it's okay, but it gets to be too much. It's like you have this creepy friend who's always touching you. I mean, when you're young, you don't understand this shit. Mooney lived at Lou's house and recounted that more than once he encountered young male singers slipping out of those doors late at night, tucking in their shirts with sheepish looks on their faces. Mm -hmm. From Steve again. There was one guy in every band, one sacrifice, one guy in every band who takes it for Lou, says Mooney, echoing a sentiment that we've heard from several people. Quote, that's just the way it was. Jesus Christ. Oof. Again, sorry if this is triggering for folks. This is gross stuff, but it, I feel like it's important that we share it because there is this kind of like sense that he was just a financial schemer, but... When you take advantage of vulnerable people with money, you can do a lot to them. And really, this is really the peak of that stuff. Rich Cronin, a member of LFO, claimed that Lou credited the Backstreet Boys' early success in Germany to one of the boys spending the night with an influential German music executive. Mm -mm. He told LFO that if they had agreed to do the same, they could jumpstart their careers. He explained that he understood it wouldn't be easy, so he would offer to help them practice before their big night with the executive. Lou would wear robes late into the day that would open accidentally. Ugh. Accidentally, on purpose. Yeah. On Lou's frequent touching, Rich had this to say, quote, I mean, I now know what it's like to be a chick. He was so touchy-feely, always grabbing your shoulders, touching you, rubbing your abs. It was so obvious and disgusting. He definitely came at people. He came at me. In my situation, I avoided him like the plague. If I went to his house, I went with somebody. I would never go with him alone because I knew every time I was over there by myself, it always led to some weird situation. Like he'd call late at night to come over and talk about a tour and you'd get there, and he'd be sitting there in his boxers. 
The guy was hairy as a bear. Uh, I don't think the hairy part's fair, but I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Harvey Weinstein. Like, come up yeah. to a meeting and you're like in a yep. robe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This and like gross. on some like plausible deniability, like, oh my God, I just got out the shower. Like, it's crazy. What? Oh Do you feel God. uncomfortable yeah. about this? Yeah. Another boy bander recalled that Lou once grabbed him, quote, down there, but he was willing to play the game. Quote, look, if the guy wants to massage me and I'm getting a million dollars for it, just go along with it. It's the price you got to pay. Oh, gosh. Damn. It's like it doesn't pay. You you're, you get destroyed. The trauma. You know, the other thing I've learned about trauma, just being a dad now, it's like the trauma gets transmitted intergenerationally. Yeah. Mm. You know, that stuff gets cooked into your body. It cooked into your neural pathways, your DNA. It can, it can really harm you over the long term and you can't just fix that shit overnight a million dollars also not enough money no for that no lots of people now say they were trying to actively help the situation and stop lou quote i tried to protect the kids said the publicist jay morose quote you'd see lou kind of moving in on one of them and you'd just tell someone get that kid away from lou before it's too late I mean, this is the type of shit that people did with Harvey as well. They were like, don't go up there with Harvey. But it's like, you didn't say like, we need to stop Harvey Weinstein or no, stop Lou Perlman. Yeah. Or I publicly resigned due to witnessing a pattern of yeah. inappropriate behavior with children. But even when it became obvious to many what was going on, Lou received the benefit of the doubt considering he had a female partner. And mm -hmm. because of the popularity of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, Young boys would throw themselves at Lou in an attempt to get cast in a new boy band. Lou would employ many of these boys to do menial jobs such as yard work or driving him around. He even moved a few of these boys into his house. Of course, there are rumors, but Lou did his best to quell these rumors with a fraudulent 10-year relationship with his live-in nurse, Tammy Hilton, whom he met while she was treating a ruptured cyst that almost cost him his life. Finding that cyst is as sexy as you would imagine. And their love affair began after that. And like all normal love affairs that are not transactionally motivated, Perlman and Hilton would never share a bed in the 10 years that they were together. Okay, that was a lot. You could bring the children back into the room now. This motherfucker does not enter a contract with anyone that will remain friends with him. He stole as much money as he possibly could without being shot by Justin Timberlake's mom. And he confused and exploited the budding sexuality of so many teens and preteens. It's fucking disgusting. I don't know how to classify Lou Pearlman's sexual appetites, but the dude was at very least criminally creepy. Remember, people, we haven't even gotten to the biggest fraud of them all. Next week, Lou harasses, of course, more teens, but in malls this time. And the longest Ponzi scheme in American history is uncovered. And then the chase next time on Fraudsters. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Fraudsters. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Check out the show notes for the show's social media links so you can follow us and see the resources we use for this episode. Fraudsters is hosted by me, Sina Gaznavi, Justin Williams, and Ariel Lieti. Producer is Jordan Oconcia. Production coordinator is Noreen Malik. Editor is Ryan Connor. Our writer is Nick Turner. Our researcher is Emily Fusco. Music by Grant Gordon. Executive producer is me, Sina Gaznavi. This has been a production of Zero Cool and The Last Podcast Network.
Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Ashley's Memorial Day mattress sale is going on now. Save big on select adjustable mattress sets up to $1,200 on Beautyrest Black, up to $800 on Purple, and up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic. Plus, get 72-month special financing with select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com for better sleep and savings. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details.